Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op. You know, this is a great, wonderful Thursday. Sun's up. We're up. God is good. And this morning in studio, we have Miss Jessica Johnson, beautiful young lady whose family's from Sierra, Sierra Leone, but she lives here and grew up in D.C. in the D.C. New York. New York. New York. Yes. Okay. And she's the regional director of CPA. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, so I grew up in Long Island, New York. Uh, my parents migrated from Sierra Leone and Liberia in the 70s. I uh, grew up in New York, spent some time going to school in Accra, West Africa, in uh, Accra, Ghana, and went to school for my undergraduate studies in upstate New York in Elmira, studied political science and international studies. Originally was going to go into diplomacy, work overseas at an embassy, and just decided that that was not the career path that I wanted to follow. Later, you know, changed my mind and decided to pursue an MSW at the University of Pennsylvania to study social work. And then from that journey, it led me to the wonderful DMV, where I managed and operated a um, social services program for Prince George's County, Maryland, um, assisting individuals with uh, securing employment so that they could uh, be self-sufficient, operated that contract, uh, oversaw operations, procurement, different things like that. Um, And then my my heart and, and my journey led me to the Community Purchasing Alliance, where I'm doing what I'm doing today currently. So what is Community Purchasing Alliance? Community Purchasing Alliance, uh, also referred to as CPA, is a cooperative. We are a purchasing cooperative. Um, We have 75 member owners. Um, However, we do service over 160 organizations. We work with nonprofits, churches, uh, religious institutions, community organizations, and essentially we assist them with their procurement, oversee their facilities contracts. We work with them to um, save money on those expenses, to uh, ensure that they are working with uh, vendors that are from the community and provide good services and good contracts. So we do an array of different things, and also we um, ensure that um, our net profits do go back and support community organizing, which is the umbrella that we were created under. Okay, you said a whole lot, so I'm going to break it down a little bit. Yes. Okay, so CPA is mm-hmm. not, not there, you, you're not uh, accountants. CPA. We are not accountants. You are a cooperative. Yes, a purchasing cooperative. A purchasing cooperative. Mm-hmm. And who are your members again? So our members comprise of nonprofits, so churches, uh, char- charter schools, um, religious um, institutions, churches, temples, and other types of community organizations. Those are our members. Okay. So what do you purchase? 
for these people? We have over 11 program offerings, and we're continuing to expand. We started with electricity buying. We have electricity, gas, janitorial services, security, solar, copier program, paving, um, just various program offerings that um, a lot of our members benefit from. Um, And so, for example, I'll go into one detail, waste hauling. We learned that um, there are a few companies uh, in this area that um, pretty much have a monopoly on the market and um, waste management, waste uh, hauling companies. Trash pickup. Trash pickup, essentially. And they tend to overcharge our our members. You know, they have these contracts that have these um, hidden fees and fuel surcharges, late surcharges, um, contracts that are impossible to get out of. And we found that a lot of them mostly were being overcharged. And so we were able to pretty much put together our purchasing power in order to help them secure better rates, better contracts. Um, On average, they save 35% when they go through the CPA. Okay. So you got a church, Mm -hmm. charter school, Mm -hmm. a nonprofit entity that has a contract to have their trash picked up. Yep. So you guys come along and you look at their contract and you say, mm, we can probably beat this. Mm-hmm. We can get you a great vendor who will do a good job for you at 35% or more savings. Yes. Okay. Yes, we do that. That's essentially what we do. We come in, we evaluate your, your, your contract, your invoices, and we work with a pool of vendors. Um, one of the vendors we work with is a local vendor. has been around for a long time. You can um, go ahead and say his name. Hmm? You can say his name. Oh, okay, sure. Um, one of the companies, Tenley Town Trash, um, and they hire um, second chance, uh, you know, uh, second chance um, offenders. Do a lot of hiring from the community. They pay good rates. They have good services. So that's an example of one of the companies that we work with, or the type of vendors that we try to work with. And we usually pretty much gather the quotes. We compare them. We explain to our member whether the different um, organi- the different companies they can choose to go with, and we help them transition into a new agreement um, where they get fixed rates, no surprises, no hidden terms in the contracts, and we explain it to them. Well, see, as you probably know, I'm in property management. That's mm-hmm. what I do, my mm-hmm. day job. This is my fun work, this radio program, mm-hmm. and talking about co-op, mm-hmm. talking co-op. So, I know Tenley Trash. There's another company called Braxton Trash, mm-hmm. uh, which is minority-owned. Those mm-hmm. are the main two that I use. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of nice when I joined CPA mm-hmm. and and we did some of this comparative shopping that my clients, my properties, were already getting good pricing. Mm-hmm. So I would think that most property managers would do the same service that you're doing, and that is mm-hmm. shop around, uh, do the contracting do the contracts, and figure out what's best for, for our clients. Uh, but both of those companies do an excellent job. And there's somebody, and I'm not going to mention their names, mm-hmm. who doesn't do just quite as good a job, but they'll charge 35 50 Sometimes I've seen 100% more. More, yes. And and then they'll have things in their contract, like if you don't give them like a 90-day or 180-day notice. Between 180 days and 50 days, if you don't uh, let them know that you're going to terminate your it's contract. Automatic. You're locked in for another mm-hmm. year. Or two or, or three. The, or they'll charge you three times the amount of your last invoice. 
You sign a contract that says you're paying $700 a month. You get an invoice for $1,500 a month. I mean, these are the things that we're seeing. And, yes, a lot of property managers and a lot of uh, property management companies do survey the market to really try to get their clients the best pricing. Where we have an advantage is the power of collective bargaining, the purchasing power that we have because we have so many organizations that we're bringing to the table. And how many do you have again? So we have 75 member owners. And a member owner, um, pretty much what that means is they've paid an investment into the cooperative and so they get dividends at the end of the year. All of our our dividends go back to our members. And then 60% of our net profit goes to the Washington Interfaith Network win um, to support community organizing. So that power that we have, that purchasing power, because of all the organizations that we are bringing to the table, is what gives us that competitive edge to negotiate um, better rates for our members. Question I normally wait to the end. <clears throat> You've been doing this, what, six months a year? What? Just about. Mm-hmm. Six months? Mm-hmm. Do you like what you're doing? Yes, I do. Why? I love it. It. It's interesting because um, you I have a story. She can see her light up. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so, for example, I go into a church um, in the par- a part of town that may not be doing so well. And it's a church that's struggling, and they really don't have the highest membership. Um, but I'm able to go into that church, and I'm able to go through um, their their service contracts and their utilities and see where we're able to save them some money, you know, help them go solar, help them possibly, you know, um, get the money so that they can repair their roof. And when you see the impact that you have on that type of institution, it's great. Um, one of our board members worded it so wonderfully and said, you know, we try, they said, that, you know, we try to make sure that our teachers are spending less than 10% of their time on operations so they can focus more on teaching. But when you have issues with your, 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 your janitorial companies, they're, they're not taking the trash out, the kids are coming into dirty classrooms and, you know, different things like that, it takes away from the time that they can focus on helping those students. And so that's where we come in to really alleviate the burden and the stress from those operation managers and really help them get that service so that they can focus on what's really important, what really matters. So you, in a charter school, your teachers, your administrators are spending time teaching, interacting with the students, and not doing the administrative stuff. That's right. what you all can help them do. That's what we I like never even do. thought about that. I, yeah. <clears throat> I thought about that it's nice that copier machines, mm-hmm. and I bought mine through you guys. And it was a wonderful experience because when I went to the copier guy, he already had a contract mm-hmm. that was, well, first he showed me his normal contract. Mm-hmm. And I went through and said, I don't like this, don't like this. Don't. He said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not a, this contract. You're a CPA, so let me give you. They've already worked all of those things out. Yeah. So, yeah, no, let's don't even talk about this. So I didn't have to fight them over issues, mm-hmm. the kind of things that we were talking about earlier, those things that they put in the contracts that hurt the the uh, client, hurt me or whomever, whoever the member is. And then I got a great price. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was neat. I didn't have to spend all of the time. No. arguing and fussing and negotiating back and forth of what mm-hmm. we were going to do. You all had already done all of it. We do all the vetting. 
we're the ones finding the vendors. We're checking the references. We're doing all the calls and the background checks. We're going through the contracts and reviewing them. We're putting all. You the have lawyers that go through the contracts. You have a couple of lawyers that go through the contracts. We do. We do. We have um, legal consultants that we have that we yeah that we consult so that they can go through the terms and make sure that they're able to put together the contract that best protects our members. Thank you. You know, we're going to take our first break already. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. We'll be right back. We're talking to Jessica Johnson, a CPA. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. We have the pleasure of talking about cooperatives and the benefits of cooperatives. And we have Miss Jessica Johnson from CPA, Consumer Purchasing... Community Purchasing Alliance. Community Purchasing <laughs> Alliance. Thank you. You know, this program is brought to you by the National Cooperative Bank, who's just been a great partner. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities. And Jessica already talked about churches in low-income communities. She didn't call it that. She is. Community is not doing so well. A lot of times that has to be financially. But National Corp Bank, uh, it works in those communities. And they do it by providing innovative financial and related services. They do a great job of it because most banks, Jessica, as I learned in my MBA program, they're only concerned about three things. Mm-hmm. They're concerned about getting their money back, number one. Number two is getting their money back. And number three is getting their money back. And so they only sort of lend to people that already have assets mm-hmm. so that if the, what they're loaning doesn't happen, they call it collateral, then they can go take that collateral and get their money back. Mm-hmm. So NCB goes in and works with people in low-income communities and through forming co-ops and so forth so that people can get financial wealth, social wealth, political wealth. Now, before we took break, that's what you were talking about, going into churches or schools and help them to save money. Mm-hmm. What are the other benefits? What do you all do that helps these your right. members? Glad you asked that because it's not just about saving money. Sometimes it's just the school, the organization wants to um, work with a minority-owned business. Sometimes they want to work with a business that... Um, has a union in place. You know, sometimes they want to work with, you know, so so it's not just about saving money. Sometimes it's about just, you know, doing their part of giving back to the community or helping to uplift certain businesses. Another thing that we do is we save time because of the relationships that we have and that we've built and the partnerships and the vendors um, that we've vetted. Uh, we save you the time of having to go out and start from square one and do it all by yourself. You know, when you're busy running, you know, one of the top charter schools in D.C., when you're part of that operations team, you know, you have so many things that you already have to focus on on a day-to-day basis to make sure that that school is running so that those kids are getting the best that they can. And so when we come in, we're able to really support you and, and really help you save that time from running after the different vendors or reviewing all the different contracts and putting them together and so on and so forth. So we save you that time. All right. So if somebody's interested in nonprofit, uh, church, synagogue, mosque, if you are a government entity, a charter school, how can they get in touch with you guys? 
Well, very easy. CPA.coop is our website, cpa.coop. Or you can email me directly, jessica at cpa.coop. My job as the regional director is to manage our new business development in the area, manage our current uh, relationships and partnerships with our members and our vendors. And so if you want to speak with us, if you are a vendor, if you are a company and you want to be involved, that is how you can reach us. So if you go online, and I just did, it says request a call in the Mm right-hand corner. So if they request a call, they can't get you? Um, If they request a call, they may get me or a member of my team. Okay. So I don't know about most of you out there, but if you're interested in saving money and time, Mm -hmm. so you have more time to do what your mission is, if that's teaching, if that's pastoring, then you can save money. One of the things I like when I first heard about you guys, if, if you're a church and you're spending 35, 50, 100% more on your trash, that means mm-hmm. that you have 35% or 50% or 100%. If go to CPA, you can save that money to put into your program, to mm-hmm. put it into your ministries. Yes. Okay. So you, you will have more money to do what it is that you're wanting to do. Which you're, so you have more money to do what you want to do, and you have more time to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think about, you know, the last organization that I worked with, you know, just and in just in any general setting when you're working um, in the public sector, um, there's always never enough money. There's always never enough money to do anything. You know, we need this. We don't have enough money. We need this. The budget doesn't, you know, support this. So, you know, if we're able to help you generate some savings so that you can actually have the money to do some of the things that you've been longing to do, whether that's hire someone or pay for a program or subsidize something, that's what we want to do, and that's what we're here to do. And so I think that is something that definitely resonates with a lot of organizations. You know, the work that we do is very purposeful. Jessica, this is the reason I like co-ops. People come together, pool their resources, whether that's money or time or knowledge, and then do good. So you're doing good to help those entities do good, mm-hmm. churches, schools, So I really want to talk about now the values and principles of Mm co-ops. So let me talk about that because you mentioned what made me go here is you said that you all give back 60% of your money that you make, your profits, to win. And that's Washington Washington Interfaith Network. Okay. So you give back 60% of your profits, but there is a fee that you have to pay to come into it to be a member. Mm Mm-hmm. And what's that fee based on? Well, so you don't have to be a member to participate with us or to start saving money. Wait, wait, wait. You don't have to be a member? You don't have to be a member to participate with us and start saving money. We ask that after... Ho, 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 wait a minute. I'm sorry. I mean, mm-hmm. So if I've got a charter school or I've got a mosque and I want to save money... Then all I have to do is call you all, and you all help me without me putting no money down, we'll no money to it. You don't have to put any money down. We'll start working with you. We want you to see the benefit in working with us and to start to save that money. And then we ask you to make an investment into the co-op, and that is how we operate. Because Wait why- minute, that's so that's so anti. Capitalism. I yes, don't know. Because me. we're not a capitalist organization. <laughs> so, so. We're a social <laughs> justice co-op. <laughs> social justice. So you're telling me that you can get the benefits of the organization, put no money down, mm-hmm. and then you start saving money. And after you save money, if you choose to, mm-hmm. you can join. Yes. If you choose to, you can join. Like I said before, we have 75 member owners. 
we work with over 160 organizations. Everyone's not a member. We would love for you to be a member um, because then you would pay an, an investment into the co-op and you would have access to receiving dividends. I mean, you uh, procure through us, you get better services, better contracts, and at the end of the year, you get a dividend check. That's amazing, but you can only do that if you're a member. But no, it's not a requirement. In this program, we've been now four years, Jessica. We were only going to do it one month. Co-op month is October and it's coming up. Mm -hmm. So next month we celebrate, next week we'll celebrate four years of being on air. Congratulations. Okay. And the the way you've just described it is what I've been trying to describe all of these four years, just the benefits of Mm co-ops. 75 people. How many started? Do you know how many people started? To this co-op? How many started? Um, in the beginning, I want to say we had about, the first purchasing was about 10 or 12 churches. Okay, so you start off with, let's say, 11 mm-hmm. churches. Mm-hmm. And they pool and figure out what they want to do, and then they form this co-op. It was for electricity. Electricity. We saved them initially $100,000 in electricity savings. A year? Mm-hmm. Wow. So if it were ten, that's ten thousand a year per per church on, on average. average. Yeah. On average. Yeah. We've saved to date our members just about three million dollars. On average, um, we have about ten million in annual service contracts, and we've saved three million dollars. How long have you been in business? When did you start? Uh, about I would say officially mm-hmm. three years. Wait a minute. I mean, three. It's a million dollars a year you save your members. Mm-hmm. Today. 75 members, 100, 160 people you work with, 160 organizations. Organization. Work with. Mm-hmm. So your members are businesses, uh-huh. uh, nonprofit they're, businesses. They're charter schools, they're churches, retirement communities. Mm-hmm. So cooperative values are self-help, mm-hmm. and these 11 or so churches, 10 or 12 of them, got together to help themselves. Yeah, they were. Um, th- yep, they were led by uh, Martin Tribble, who's the lead organizer at Win. Okay. Win is the Washington Interface Network. Interface Network. Mm-hmm. Self help, self responsibility, mm-hmm. democracy, 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 equality, equity, and solidarity mm-hmm. values, and the values of the tradition of the founders of cooperatives. Cooperative members believe in the ethical values of honesty, mm-hmm. openness social responsibility, and God caring for one another. Mm-hmm. That sounds very um, religious, spiritual. It does. Caring yeah. for one another, telling the truth, honesty, having transparency, openness. Mm-hmm. Wow. What if we could get our politicians to be cooperators? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, another story. <laughs> another story for another time. Mm-hmm. So the values, the principles, there are seven principles, volunteer and open membership. So if you are an institution, a nonprofit, just come on. It doesn't make any difference what religion you are, what gender, what what your political views are, your racial makeup, societal makeup. It just doesn't make any difference. From a poor community, wealthy community, it makes no difference. Open membership. That's what you all do, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The second principle is democratic member control. Normally, that's one member, one vote. So if you have 75 members, each one of those has one vote. It has a vote. Mm-hmm. So it's not based on how much money you have, which is a capitalistic model. The more money you have, the more stock you can buy in a company. The more stock you have, the more votes you have. Right. So in this case, one member. Poor church with 
100 members or a large church with 10,000 members. It makes no difference. And then it's the member economic participation. It's the third one, and we'll talk about this one quickly, and then we'll take our second book. Normally, there's some money you have to put in, but in CPA's case, you can start getting the benefits without putting up any money. And then if there's a profit or surplus, then you can get some money back out. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we come off of our second break. And that's the third principle, member economic participation. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Everybody, everything cooperative. My name is Vernon Oaks, and we have Miss Jessica, Jessica Johnson in the studio with us today, talking about Community Purchasing Alliance (CPA) Social Purpose Cooperative. Okay, so we were talking about member economic participation. So you have to have something to pay in. So if somebody comes and starts working with you, they get savings on their trash picks up. They pick up. They get they get money income off the solar panels. They buy a copier machine and they save money on that and they save money on their energy or uh, they get all the savings. They decide they want to join. Mm-hmm. How do you all charge them or what's their fee to come in? Well, there isn't a flat fee. It's, the, it's um, contingent upon your operating budget. So based off of whatever your annual operating budget is, we have a scale for that. And then that's what we'd ask for you to invest into the co-op. Okay. So and after- it's a one-time. It's a one-time Investment. Not a yearly? Not a we annual. have annual dues that are obviously significantly lower, but it's a one-time investment. Okay. Do you remember any of them? What if you have a budget of $100,000? If you have a budget of $100,000, it's probably $500. Okay. I mean, I'm just, you know what yeah, I mean? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, so if you have a budget of $10 million, then it may be, I don't know, 5000 or something like that. Um, but then... We wouldn't expect to only save you two thousand dollars and ask you to pay that. We would expect to save you thirty thousand dollars, you know, twenty five thousand dollars, and then yeah. Okay, so if I like your model because you get a, you get to wear the shoes before you buy them, right? <laughs> you get to drive right. the car as long as you want to before you buy it. Uh huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there any time you say to somebody, "Hey, we've already saved you fifty thousand dollars. You got to join or buy." Do you ever tell people that? I mean, we talk so we talk about membership up front so that people understand what membership entails. Mm-hmm. And then so it's not a surprise, you know, when we ask you, Hey, are you ready to join and become a member? Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll ask you, but we're we're there's no you have to become a member in order to, you know, some people realize, you know what? It's just not we just don't want to be a member at this time, you know? Okay. Okay. So there is some fee to join in and that's most co ops are that. In the housing co-ops, there's a membership fee, mm-hmm. um, and it could be a lot of money or a little money. It depends on if it's affordable housing co-op or market rate co-op. There's some membership fee. But then on the back end, you talked about dividends. Mm-hmm. So if CPA makes a surplus or a profit, mm-hmm. 60% of it, Somebody decide goes to win. Who decided that? 
It was decided in the very beginning because in the beginning when CPA was founded, um, we received an investment from NCB um, and we received money. Uh, oh, hold on. National Corp Bank gave you, mm-hmm. loaned you money or gave yes. you, loaned you money? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we also received some um, an investment from Washington Interface Network as well. And so this was, you know, part of the money that was able to give us the funds to do feasibility study in order to determine whether or not this is the model that could work. And so out of that, our executive director, Felipe Wichker, um, he's one of the co-founders, and so is Martin Trimble, who's with Washington Interface Network. What about Paul Hazen? He's the chair of our board. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's the chair of our board. And, um, you know, this came out of a love of community organizing and wanting to give back. And so that was one of the things that was agreed upon, that we, because of what our bigger goal is, that we would give money back to, to, to win, essentially, every year to continue to support those efforts because we see the value in community organizing. Well, see, I've had some food co-ops that have been on, and they say, first off, the members decide what happens to the money. Mm-hmm. Okay, the members, and this is one of the reasons I like co-ops, is that you don't have the shareholders telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Well, they really are shareholders in that they're members, but it's not the money, the folks that have the money shareholders in a capitalistic model. They may be living in China, producing policies for the business. Mm-hmm. In this case, it is the members, those 175 members mm-hmm. are making up the rules. And they some, some uh, co-ops have told me, food co-ops, one-third of it stays in the business of the profit so mm-hmm. that they can fund growth. Mm-hmm. One-third of it goes to community philanthropy, giving back to the community. And one-third of it uh, goes to dividends to the members. Mm-hmm. And in their case, it's based on how much business they bought, how much how much they right. used the the co-op. Mm-hmm. That's how they decide what percentage of that profit you get back. Okay, so you all make some money, and how do you all decide how much those seventy five members get back? Um, so it's similar to what you just mentioned. So if you're a retirement community and you're purchasing contributed to three percent of our profits then you would get 3% of the net profits. Okay. Yeah. So okay. if you're purchasing, brought in, you know, $100,000 of revenue, I'm just putting mm-hmm. out general numbers, then um, whatever the net profit is, then you would get 3% of that. Okay. So, so it, after uh, operating costs are taken out, 60% goes to win whatever's left, then you would get a percentage of that. Okay. Relative to, yeah. So CPA, Community Purchasing Allowance, you all are not trying to make profit to pay a shareholder money, a, a no. stockholder, somebody to put some money in. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to pay NCB or win back. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you had to, you know, pay back loans and stuff for okay. sure, but okay. we're not in here to get rich. <laughs> okay. So you already said you really like what you're doing. So that was a third member economic participation. The fourth principle is autonomy and independence. And that's basically who has control of the business, and your members have control? They have the control. I mean, they can choose whether or not they want to pursue, which vendor they want to select, whether or not this is a contract they want to sign up for. We also provide a level of expertise and understanding of these various programs and service agreements that we're able to share with them so that they can be informed and empowered in making better decisions for their organization. So they have that autonomy and that independence. Okay. So 
what normally this makes it a difference of what type of co-op it is is who owns and who controls the business. So number four gets to be extremely important. You don't want a government telling you what to do. You don't want your the people that gave you money or loaned you money telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. So the members have to have that control in order for the cooperative to, mm-hmm. to work under the, the principles of cooperation. And the fifth one was my favorite principle, and that's what's the first reason I like co-ops, and that is uh, that is education, training, and information, that a part of the core, and Dr. Jessica Gordon-Nimhart, who's been on the show a couple times, wrote a book called Collective Courage, looking at African-American <clears throat> sort of history and comparing that to cooperative history mm-hmm. and finding out there was a little one-to-one correlation. There was a lot of co-ops in history that African-Americans were involved in. But who knew? I went. I didn't find about co-ops until 23 years ago mm-hmm. of my 70 years on this earth. I did just found out about co-ops. So and it's always interesting why that history didn't come up. But that's the whole another story about how our black uh, or African-American history doesn't show up, particularly why co-op history doesn't show up. Education, as what she said, has been the core reason for the success of cooperatives, mm-hmm. educating the members, mm-hmm. okay, so that they understand the financial statement, that they understand how to make decisions, they understand when there are conflict, how to resolve conflict, mm-hmm. okay, without having to go to the okay corral okay, mm-hmm, to resolve mm-hmm. it. So that's why I like co-ops is this education. And what she said, Jessica, oh, and Jessica, Jessica Gordon-Nimhard said uh-huh. <laughs> that whenever the co-ops began to have problems, they would go back to their study bees. They had study uh, camps and so forth so that if they if they started having trouble, that's what they would go back to. Mm-hmm. The sixth principle is cooperation among co-ops, mm-hmm. and that is just trying to get the credit unions to work with housing co-ops and housing co-ops to work with food co-ops and trying to get co-ops also to work with community purchasing mm-hmm. alliance. Uh, the seventh one mm-hmm. is concern for community, and that's what's in the DNA of co-ops. Mm-hmm. And you already have it that 60% of your profit goes back to the community to win. And so mm-hmm. when the Washington Interfaith Network yes. <laughs> can do what they do, they, mm-hmm. they have money to do what they need to do. So those are the, the seven principles of co-ops. So now I'm going to change it a little bit to talk about what you do. What is your job, Beth? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well. Regional, <laughs> regional director. Regional director. A lot of my job is to really manage the relationships that we have and to grow our cooperative in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. So I'm managing the relationships that we have with current members and organizations that we're participating with. I'm recruiting new members, managing our vendors, building relationships with new vendors, building new programs, overseeing procurement, and um, saving our, our, our organization, saving our members' money. Um, that's essentially what, what I'm doing. Um, so a lot of everything, but my primary goal is to help grow our cooperative and to make sure that we expand and that we're able to service as many organizations as we can in this region. So I get on your goals is you want to grow to 250. 250, so 250 got, members. Yes, mm-hmm. 75 members. You want to go to 250. 
my math is right, that's 175 more mm-hmm. members. Yeah, in the next um, several years, next five years. In five years. Four years, I should say now. Mm-hmm. Four years. Mm-hmm. And you want to have 15 service areas. How many you have now? Um, we have 11, and we're currently building out some new ones. One is paving. Uh, one is HVAC and maintenance, uh, which is going to be a fun program that we're going to build out. <laughs> okay. um, but, yeah, we have 11 program offerings right now, and we're expanding. Um, and a lot of that is the feedback that we get from our members, you know, the needs that they have. Every month we have um, an operations meeting and finance directors meeting. We bring that community together. We um, do lots of uh, peer learning and sharing of best practices. And we also do a lot of pooling and try to figure out, you know, what are some of your biggest headaches and service contract issues that you're having. And we use that to inform you know, what needs to be our next program area, what needs to be our next focus. You know, people come to us, like one-stop shops. You know, do you, can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? Like, do you guys do this? Do you do that? And so that's essentially how we, we approach things. Okay. You just said something that caused me to get very curious. You have monthly meetings uh-huh. where you have peer learning and best practices. Mm-hmm. So you have 30 churches in the room? For example, we can have um, 10 to 15 operations managers and finance directors from various charter schools, and we'll bring them together, and we'll have an agenda, and we'll talk about different issues. So last month, we talked about um, PCSB compliance, which is the compliance that they have to go through. We um, talked about um, school buses and transportation. We talked about, at one meeting, we talked about um, school lunch programs. So just different things. Different directors will talk about things that they do at their school that may be of benefit to someone else in another school because they don't really have an opportunity to always get together because they're in their schools. They're running operations. And so we bring them together. We've created that community so that they can share um, information and also inform us on what we need to be focusing on. So this really is number five, this education, training, and information. it is. Really helping them to Mm -hmm. understand best practices for running a school or best practices for running a church. Mm-hmm. And right now we're going to get to weather the news and, and traffic, and we'll be right back to talk to you about some other best practices. Yeah. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Everything Cooperative is the program, and Miss Jessica Johnson is our guest today in studio. And Jessica, well, before we took a break, you were telling us there's 75 members right now. Mm-hmm. You're going to your goal in the next four years to get it up to 250. Right. Um, it's almost three, four times what mm-hmm. you got now mm-hmm. in the Washington, D.C. area. Okay. Can you talk about what you're doing to increase that? Besides being on this show, that we're going to try to drive mm-hmm. you in more business? <laughs> so... Besides being on this show (laughs) and using various uh, media um, outlets to get our name across, um, we really do rely on our members to also, you know, do those introductions and connect us with other organizations that are similar that we're not working with. We have a really great board um, filled with many different individuals with different backgrounds and different networks that they're affiliated with that are helping us to expand our membership, you know, business development, outreach, those are just a lot of the different things that we're doing. We, um, Felipe, our executive director, is working on, he has put together a toolkit 
that he's put out there so that um, people in other cities can pretty much learn how to start up something similar to CPA. Wait, 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 wait. You're going to other cities? We want there to be a CPA in every city in America. <laughs> oh, great. Or every state. <laughs> Oh, yeah, fantastic. so we're definitely expansion is a part of our, our five year plan is expanding. Um, that's one of the main reasons why I was brought on board in this area so that we could take it to the next level somewhere else. So you're you're here to take care of this area to take care of D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and to raise that to 250. Mm-hmm. And then Felipe is going to take it national, take it national. OK, which have you decided which city to go to? Next? Um, You know, right now he's in Durham. And he's looking at seeing what can be done in Durham. But there are also other cities that have all, have people there that have already expressed interest in wanting to um, start their own you know, version of CPA. And that's part of why Felipe put together this toolkit where he shared pretty much you know, information on you know, what are the steps that need to be taken in order to really launch a successful CPA. So is this going to be a CPA Durham or just a whole totally different? Ideally, entity? it would be a CPA Durham. It would okay. be a CPA North Carolina. Okay. You got a CPA New York, a CPA... Eventually. CPA California. I'm just thinking of all the housing yes. co-ops in New York. Yeah, that, or Detroit or New Orleans where we have big charter school networks. And, I mean, the, the, the possibility is there. So many different um, places we can venture into. And that's what we're in the beginning stages of doing, of uh, putting together the resources to do these uh, feasibility studies to see where we should focus our attention next. Well, you got in some communities churches on every corner, so that would be yes. cool too. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's exciting! That's exciting! That's exciting! You know, there are so many different places to take off. I would like to see that toolkit uh, that Felipe is doing to see what we can do. Are you working with the National NCBA, National Cooperative Business Alliance, um, to get your word out? Well, I I'm actually not sure if we are. I would think that we are, but I'm not really sure the the depth of that that partnership or relationship. Okay, so NCBA is the National Cooperative Business Alliance, and they most of America's cooperatives or majority of them belong to this entity. Mm-hmm. So what I was thinking about and asking that question is when we start talking about the six principles of cooperation among cooperatives. Mm-hmm. This seemed like it would be a great place to be. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, Jessica came to one of the properties I managed. Yes. And we were looking at solar panels. Mm hmm. The co op on East Capitol and Benny Road, a 57 unit co op. You know, something happened that we didn't follow through, or mm-hmm. what do we need to do to, to, to make that decision and get that in front of the board? Mm-hmm. So, what's the steps in going through that process? Well, pretty much. We have a colleague on board, uh, Joe Naroditsky. He's our solar associate. He was spearheaded. He's been spearheading our solar projects, okay. and so I can definitely circle back with him and see where we are with that. I think when I did come out to visit you, literally it was like week one of me oh. on the job. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was literally like it was week one for sure. And so uh, Joe's been kind of overseeing that. But I would like to see why we haven't um, gone through and why we haven't um, It could be something that. on our side that it, it's it could falling be. apart, that we didn't do something. But I would like to, because I'm so excited about the solar panel yes. um, in that we can put the solar panels on the roof, uh-huh. save electricity. Save some money. Maybe even make some money on it. Maybe. If we, if we 
can pay back, give money back, to, I mean, mm-hmm. electricity back to PEPCO. But the, the first time we looked at it, the board was concerned about messing it. We just put a new roof on it. And so they were concerned about messing up the roof. Yeah, but and that's the beauty of the, the solar companies. They will come out with their experts and do the assessments to ensure that your roof is, you know, in the best condition to house these panels. But right now, I mean, the market is great. The laws in D.C. are so great for solar right now. Um, you know, people are, are these organizations are able to go solar, you know, pretty good cost, essentially, I should say, or, or in some cases, maybe very little up front. And they're able to generate so many savings from being able to go solar. And so, yeah, if you are, you know, a nonprofit organization and you're interested in, in, in going solar, um, reach out and talk to us because the market is, is ripe for it right now. And a lot of housing co-ops are nonprofit. Most are nonprofit mm-hmm. uh, entities. Mm-hmm. And that seems like that's a perfect example of how we could work cooperation among co-ops. Yes. That you all could help nonprofit help co-ops save money mm-hmm. uh, and do good for the environment. It is. Reduce the carbon emission. Yes. You know, you definitely want to think about sustainability and, yeah, reducing your carbon footprint. <laughs> I um, you can. don't want to go into politics, but I believe in science. <laughs> I believe in climate change. It's, it, I'm going to look, we could go down the road of all of these. All of the different things. <laughs> all these tornadoes and stuff that we're getting. But but on the solar, I thought there was no money down for the properties. And you also had in your program, I'm trying to remember and get this right, where somebody could even redo their roof right now and if they had to redo the roof to get enough mm-hmm. mo- upfront money to, mm-hmm. to go in and redo your roof, then put the solar panels on and not have to have money coming out of the pocket. Yeah, so there have been different deals available through various uh, companies um, that can really reduce or minimize the cost of going solar. But I can't go into too much detail about that, but I can say that, you know, now is really, really a good time to consider maybe going solar because, yeah, you could not have to really come out of pocket significantly in order to do so. CPA.coop. If you'd like to get information about this, go on their webpage, cpa.coop, or you can email jessica at jessica at cpa.coop. Got that? Yes, thank you. All right. We only have a couple more minutes, so what do you want to tell people? What do you want to leave people with? Well, um, again, I just want to thank you for having me on the show. And I just want to tell people, you know, what what we're about, what we're trying to do. Um, We want to ensure that we're delivering um, a significant amount of savings to our members and our organizations. Um, We want to continue to share our net proceeds to support community organizing. We want to be able to be uh, self-sustaining financially, keep our operating costs so that we can continue to support community organizing. And we want to continue to leverage the millions of group purchasing power in order to have serious investments in sustainability, just wages and labor practices for workers, and local community wealth building. So you look for vendors that will treat their employees correctly. Have good hiring practices, you know, pay fair wages, you know, offer benefits and things like that. You know, that is all a part of the Community Purchasing Alliance is just to ensure that we're also um, giving back in that way by supporting local businesses. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. What else do we need? Hmm. Well, 
give us a call. That's what you need. <laughs> you need to give us a call or shoot me an email um, so we can talk about your organizational needs and how we can support you. Yeah, I was just thinking about the different kinds of, of you said you have 11 different um, program offering, offerings. Program mm-hmm. offerings mm-hmm. And you're, you're going to raise it up to four more. Oh, HVAC, that's what I wanted to get back to. Yes. Because we are always needing somebody to work on yes. HVAC systems. Yes. It is something, it's a headache that keeps a lot of our members up at night dealing with HVAC issues. And so what we're trying to do is we want to build a pool of preferred vendors, you know, have set pricing for different services. Um, And so right now we're just collecting lots of information from a lot of our members so that we can really put together um, a really good HVAC program. So we're in the process of really building out an extensive HVAC program. So with this hot humid Weather in D.C. Uh-huh. in the summers, we got to have it. Particularly in D.C., there's a lot of sinuses and allergies because mm-hmm. D.C. was built on a swamp, and so you have a lot of allergies mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And so when the HVAC goes out, it gets to be a major liability for, for for me as a property manager and for whomever else. Right. I imagine for churches, synagogues, mosques, and charter yeah. schools, it's a major issue. Imagine a church that has service on Sundays, and then that's when the A.C. goes out on Sunday, and they're probably going to charge an even higher rate for that person to come out to service it. And so, you know, with that set pricing, instead of you paying $200 an hour, maybe you can pay $130 an hour. And so those are some of the things that we're trying to do. Jessica, thank you for coming in. It's been a great conversation. I really appreciate you and what you do. And everybody out there, we ask you to have a cooperative week. And we look forward to talking to you next Thursday. 